Romans chapter 8. Two more weeks in Romans. Uh, next weekend is Labor Day, so we'll probably take a Sunday night off. Probably after that we'll launch right into Daniel, so probably we'll finish the book of Romans, at least our studies tonight. So this will be it, and if you've missed some, they're all on the, the World Wide Web, so just <laughs> clock in. Romans chapter 8, uh, if you look with me down at verse 18, I'm going to preface my remarks this, this evening by telling you that if you've seen one fireworks show, you've seen them all. Uh, Karen and I did a couple of years where we went to different fireworks shows, we tried St. Mary's and just different places around, and I, I guess I came to the conclusion after a few years, when you've seen one, you've seen it all. Probably the only joy I have now in watching a fireworks show is to watch it with my grandchildren to see their eyes light up because one boom is the same as another. But there's coming a fireworks show like has never been before. See, when you've got fireworks, you've, they're wrapped in brown paper. They don't look very spectacular. But to put a fire into those things and fire them up in the air, and they're different, and they do different things, and it's just... They're all full of expression, and they all are unique in many ways. There's coming a day very soon when there'll be a fireworks show this world has never seen before and will never forget. And it's written about in Romans chapter 8 when the sons of God will be revealed to this world, where we will share not only his grace, but his glory in that moment. And it will be spectacular. And we who are wrapped in plain brown paper and look quite ordinary to this world will explode into colors and glory that this world has never seen. So look with me to Romans chapter 8. Chambers was fond of saying that this is the age of the humiliation of the saints. The age that we live in is the age of the humiliation of the saints where we are mocked and made fun of. We are a little group, and yet the fireworks show is about to take place. Thank God we're going to be those blasting off into the sky. Romans chapter 8, verse 18 says this. Paul says, for I consider, I've, I've done the equation, I've done the math, I consider that the sufferings of this present time now, those three words are vital, that you understand this present time from God's viewpoint, from a biblical viewpoint. This present time to the humanist, to the secular group, is all they've got. And they have to make the best of all they've got. This is it. They'll talk about billions of years of evolution to the point of man evolving into something spectacular and we're going over into the next, you know, level of humanity, and we're getting better and better. And in the end, all men die, and one generation just picks up the same sin mantle that the other one dropped off. This present time, the Bible talks about a time of darkness, a time of evil, a time of evil days. And it doesn't take an ostrich to pull its head out of the ground and see that these are desperately wicked times where men shoot one another for no, see, for no reason at all, where violence and hatred and murder. This is an evil, wicked time that we live in. It is this present time. 
see it for how what the Bible sees it, see it as God sees it. Now, I'm enjoying my life down here. It's not about that, but it's about accurately seeing the world like it really is. And the way it really is is not getting better. It's getting worse. So in this present time, we are those who go against the current of the time, and we will and do suffer. Look at verse 18. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us, in us, through us. Isn't that beautiful? The glory that will soon be ours as God shows glory to us. Now, we're saved by grace. We live by grace. We are children of grace, but we are not yet children of glory. We are not. We have human skin. We have a human body. We have the flesh within us dragging us down at times. We have a world that hates us. This is not our time of glory, but our time of glory is coming before long. Notice the verse 18 says, with the glory that is, when the Bible says it is to be revealed, it will be revealed. It will be revealed to us, in us, through us. Notice verse 19. Look around. For the creation waits with eager longing. What is the, what, what is, it's the world that we live in. The physical planet that we live on. Picture the oak trees as you ride by them crying out to you. Think of the plants and the animals. This world is eagerly awaiting a particular event. I picture myself sometime riding on the John Deere past the oaks trees out there and them screaming to me, is, it, is today the day? Is today the day? This whole world groans. My dog groans for a time that it's going to be better. That All creation is like, well, look at it, verse 19. They are eagerly longing for the revealing of the sons of God. That's us. That's us. For us to be revealed in the glory of our Father. Well, how's it going to happen? Look at verse 20. For the creation was subjected to emptiness and futility. This whole creation, when Adam and Eve sinned, was put under a curse. One of the first things the Lord said is, the ground is cursed under you. Now, we're pretty amazed with this planet. We're pretty amazed with nature and the magnificence of trees and bushes and streams and waterfalls. But I'm telling you, what we're looking at is nothing like God created it. It's the difference between watching the old black and white TV versus a big plasma screen with full color. That's the difference. It's all we know. It's all we know. For all we know, trees might be like on the Wizard of Oz when the apple tree slapped the hand of the one who pulled the apple off. Maybe they'll talk. The Bible says the rocks will cry out and worship him. All of creation, all around you, is like a big shut mouth, just bulging, looking at you, just waiting. Come on, come on, come on. It was subjected to 
futility, not willingly, but because of him, Adam, who subjected it in hope. Either Adam or the Lord in that case, doesn't tell us. That the creation itself will be set free. Well, I, let, let's, we've skipped over. Because of him who subjected it. I, I, probably the Lord in that case. Notice he subjected it in hope. When Adam sinned, it was a road bump to God's program with his creation. But he subjected it to emptiness with the hope that it would all be put back the way it was and even better. So in hope, because of him who subjected it in hope, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption, and that creation will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. What is that going to look like? We have no idea, but it's going to be spectacular. This world will be set free we will see colors. We will see things we never could imagine. I, you know, I, I picture I, I, huge whales just coming out of the water singing choruses to God. I, I, if you want a picture of it, read Isaiah where the lamb uh, lays down uh, with the lion and they play together. A child reaches into the hole of a poisonous snake and they wrestle together and have fun. That's the world that's coming, a planet where no one hurts and no one kills, and, and, and the creation is our friend. It's not our friend right now. It's, it's not its fault, but there's no more hurricanes to run from and worry about. There's no more earthquakes and mudslides and, and fires in the forest. It's all over, and creation will scream and, and, and worship and, and, and dance, and, and, and it'll just be magnificent. Notice as we go on, look at verse 22. At the end of verse 21, it says that the creation will obtain not its own freedom of glory, but it will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Use a little bit of divine imagination at this point of what it's like to be free in the glory of God. We're free in the grace of God, but we are not free in the glory of God yet. When we die, or when the Lord returns, we will never be without, well, we will obtain a resurrection body. And with that body, we will see as we've never seen before, smell as we've never, smell things we've never, we will dance, we will fly, we will run, we will jump, we will, we will have no limitations for this body. No aching bones, no poor eyesight. Everything works, and everything works to the max. Our brains will be fully energized, which they aren't right now. Most of us have trouble remembering what we just heard or read. But imagine the bodies, the thinking that we are going to have. Now, if your body's still working pretty well, that doesn't excite you. But if it's not... Now, that's some pretty exciting stuff, is it not? No more medicine. No more doctors. It's going to be beautiful. No more arthritis. I'll never forget my mom's hands and feet when she had crippling rheumatoid arthritis, all bent and gnarled. 
There were times I called her, she couldn't even talk to me on the phone. She was in so much pain. She'd utter a word every few minutes. No more of that. No more of that. We're going to be free in the glory of our God. And guess who's dancing with us? The oak trees and the fish. And it's just going to be incredible. It's going to be beautiful. I have not seen nor heart understood the things that God has prepared for we who know him. There's a reason we know these things from the scripture because God wants us to know this thing is coming because we need to know that in this world that we live in, that we suffer. Notice in verse 20, 1, that the creation itself will be set free and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Verse 22, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. <laughs> These thousands of years of this creation is like a pregnant woman, and she's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. She's like a basketball, carrying a basketball around with her. And, you know, you see a nine-and-a-half-month pregnant woman, you're like, just, just do it. Just, just let that thing go. Just, you know, pop that thing out because you just look so uncomfortable. That's the world that we live in. It's groaning, man. Groans all the time. Turn on the news, you'll see groaning of this earth. And it's groaning waiting for you and I. It's waiting for us. When God brings us to his glory and the whole earth is just set free from this stuff. There's no show you've ever seen on TV that, I mean, if God didn't give us a redeemed body to be able to see it and experience, what we've got now would probably explode. Our brain would just explode. We couldn't even handle the whole moment. We'd just probably fall over with a stroke. But God is going to give us the capacity to be set free. Just meditate on these things. These things are greatly encouraging. Look at verse 23. And not only creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit. When you got saved, you got the Holy Spirit. It was God's down payment in your soul. And you carry within you that first fruits to encourage you on. Notice, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons. What is this adoption? It is the redemption of our bodies. The redemption of the last thing we have to be redeemed is our bodies, which are not redeemed now, and they will be. And we wait eagerly. Do we not? Now, by all means, take care of your body. By all means, try to put good stuff in. By all means exercise by all means you all you can do to feel as good as you can but at the end of the day man we're all just breaking down and falling apart are we not we groan within ourselves for a brand new body we just groan don't we i mean just picture wilbur at five o'clock in the morning getting up just groaning six o'clock <laughs> feet hit the floor and all of a sudden the heels start hurting and the legs start hurting and you just, you're barely able to move. I mean, you just groan within yourselves. We groan for a new body, don't we? This world groans with us. Look at it like it is. We've got a great future ahead of us. Notice in verse 24, for in this hope we are saved. 
This is not the salvation of your soul. This is not. This is deliverance from this world. This is deliverance from discouragement. This is deliverance from hopelessness. In this hope, in this thing that we hold before us, that we'll get a new body, that we'll see the glory of God, that we'll share in that glory, that we will explode like firecrackers in the sky. In this hope, we are delivered from the drudgeries of life, from the days that don't seem to ever end, and the pain that never seems to go away. We are delivered in that thing. When the Bible talks about hope, it's not, I hope this happens. It is a hope so firmly, it is, the, it, is, it is not faith. It is hope in something that hasn't happened yet that you know is going to happen. You're so convinced in that, that reality of the body you're going to get saves you from the drudgery of the one you got. The misery in this hope. Do you have hope of that future? Do you have hope of that body? Do you have hope of the glory that you're going to see? That no matter what suffering we have to go through, when you get there, it'll, you'll look back and you won't even think about it. There are people that, you know, sometimes you think, oh, I'm going to get up there, I'm going to ask them why I had to go through all. When you get up there, you won't even think about it. It's gone. And the weight of what you're experiencing in that moment, what you're seeing in that moment, will make this life just nothing. Notice verse 25. Or the end of verse 24. For in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? You have it. You don't hope for it anymore. You got it. We don't have the body, so we hope. We look forward to it. But if we hope for what we do not see, this is the joy. This is the, we wait for it with patience. We wait until God delivers us out of this body. We're waiting with patience. Now, patience is an old-fashioned word that none of us like. We want it, and we want it now. Patience, waiting for someone else. We wait patiently, having that hope as a reality of our lives. We hope because this is what the Bible says to us, and we believe every word of every verse in it. And it has said to us, He is coming. He is going to give you a new body. We're going to share in His glory. This creation is going to explode. It'll be a fireworks show like you've never... And when you get there, you won't even think about the suffering that you've been through. You won't think about the... Right now, the loss that you've experienced and the hurt that you... is very real to you. Let this hope cheer you to a place where you know you're going to look back and go, that was nothing compared to what God gave me in this side. Nothing. Look at verse 25, 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. It's a good thing to be weak, you know that? It's it's a good thing not to have all the answers, have it all figured out, to be so sure of yourself that you don't rely on the Spirit of God. It's, it's, It's a good thing to recognize weakness. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Spirit doesn't help you in your strength. He helps in your weakness. For we do not know what to pray as we ought. Beware of a man who's very confident in his praying, who throws out long, eloquent, fluffy words. 
better for us to be unsure of the next thing we're going to say. We ought to notice, for we do, we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Isn't that true? So many situations we just don't know how to pray for. We don't know what to say. Well, we're not alone. Notice it says, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings that, I like the way the ESV says it, that are too deep for words. I think our best prayers are without words at all when we just are before him and know that the Holy Spirit is praying on your behalf and you can't say a word. That's good praying. That's, that's the, then you know you're getting the petitions up to him that you need because the Spirit knows. Verse 27, and he who searches hearts. <laughs> I was told for a lot of years, pray that the Lord would search your heart so he could tell you what's wrong with you. Pray the Lord would reveal sin to you. You don't have to ask the Lord to reveal sin. Do you know that? You don't have to ask the Lord to search your heart. Lord, search my heart and see if there be any. The Holy Spirit's always doing that. It, trust me, if you sin as a Christian, the Holy Spirit will point it out real quick. Real quick. If he's not pointing anything out, you're good. You're good. Okay? I know that's homespun theology, but if he's not pointing anything out in your life, you're okay. You know? If your kids are running around and you're not yelling at them, they're probably not doing anything wrong. And the Father will point out everything because he loves you. And so, so you know, you don't have to pray at the end of the day, Lord, if I've sinned at all today, please forgive me. If you sin during the day, the Spirit will show you. Make sure your prayers are biblical. So it says there, notice, and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints. And he does so according to your bank account. <laughs> according to health and wealth. I'm telling you, they'll tell you, just word that prayer right and you'll be okay. Or send in your money and you'll be okay. The Spirit intercedes according to what God's will is for you. He gets to choose that. Now we all suffer to one degree or another. I tell you, I thought there was a verse last week that talked about we shall reign with Him if we suffer with Him. Just to name the name of Christ means that we suffer in this world. But I, I had a thought from a good commentator, and I want to suggest it to you. We are the body of Christ in this place, but we're also the body of Christ all over this world of believers. We are not only those who are all over this world as fellow believers, but for all the ages, from the moment of Pentecost up until now, we are part of the body of Christ. It's all the body, all the body, all over the world since Pentecost. Our brothers and sisters who are getting guns stuck to their heads by this ISIS and killed as believers, they're our brothers and sisters. They're part of our body. Now you come up here and stomp on my toe, I'm, I'm going to hurt all over the place. 
We're members of a body. When our brothers and sisters gets killed, that we suffer with it. Now, we don't suffer with a gunshot to our head, but we are part of that body. We're part of the connection to that thing. Just a thought. Verse 28, as we go on, is one of the more famous verses in all the Bible. It's quoted by us quite often. Uh, R.A. Torrey once said that it is a soft pillow for the aching heart. I think that's a good description, a soft pillow for an aching heart. Verse 28. And we know. That'll preach for about 30 minutes. And we know. We don't feel, we don't experience, we don't think, we don't hope. We know. We are driven by what we know. This is not a knowledge of the mind. This is a knowledge of the soul. We know certain things. We know our sins are forgiven. We know that we are in Christ. We know that Christ is in us. We know that our bodies will be changed. We know these things. We know that He's coming again. And notice in verse 27, 28, and we know. This is powerful. This will take you to the cleaners. Verse 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together. Notice all things are not good. All things work together for good. For those who are called, there it is again, those who are called according to God's purpose. This is a soft pillow for the aching heart, is it not? All things in life are not good. Some are awful and tragic and heartbreaking and heart-wrenching. But this verse says, to those who love God, and by the way, the Bible says no man can love God. We love Him because He first loved us. So don't try to muster up in this verse, well, as long as I'm loving God, it's going to work together for good. That's not what it's talking about. We love Him because He first loved us. You, the, the difference is you will see the plan when you receive the love of God and you're echoing that love back to Him. If you don't see it, now He loves you whether you see it or not. But if you see that love as a greater reality than the tragic and the suffering and the heartache and the stuff you got to do, if you see that love, receiving that love, you will echo that love back to Him and then you will benefit from this verse. This verse will be true whether you believe it or not, but the comfort will come when you recognize His love for you, you echo that back to Him responsively, and then all things you know will work together according to His purpose. 